0: Hello, this is Christine Peterson with A Toolkit for a Better Life. In this fifth series of the podcast, we will focus on how our bodies and our minds work and give you various tips and tricks, tools and techniques for understanding yourself, being happier in yourself and living a better life. Each week, we will discuss different topics that might interest you and help you think differently to change the way you approach life and yourself we talk about the little things that make a big difference. Hello. Today I'm back with Mason de Chauchon who as you know I've spoken with many times on this podcast. Mason is a friend and a colleague and he shares many of my interests in how our minds and bodies function and how small changes can make a big difference in how we live our lives. Hi Mason, how are you today? Fine. Good, great, yeah. Nice to hear it. Good to hear you as well. So today we have a really interesting topic, and I'm sure I can imagine that most people will be interested in it.
1: I think so, yes. Our subject today is about compassion, Mm. which traverses all cultures, touches upon every religion. And while different religions and philosophies may have varying different beliefs and practices, Compassion is often seen as a fundamental virtue.
0: Yeah, indeed. So let's start, as we usually do, by defining it. So how would you define compassion, Mason?
1: I think uh, compassion is a a deep feeling of empathy, care, and concern for the suffering or difficulties experienced by others. Mm -hmm. It's the ability to recognize and understand the pain or struggle that someone else is going through and to respond with kindness, with support. And with a desire to alleviate their suffering.
0: Yeah, indeed. And I think there's a lot of need for compassion these days from everything oh, yes. that's going on. My gosh. So, yeah, in fact, and compassion involves not just acknowledging the suffering of others, but also having a genuine desire to help and make a positive difference in their lives. It really goes beyond sympathy, doesn't it? Which which is feeling sorry for someone. Uh, by actively seeking to alleviate their pain or improve their situation. In fact, compassion is often accompanied by acts of kindness and generosity and selflessness.
1: Yeah, tell me, Christine, do you you think that uh, compassion can be considered a natural part of human nature?
0: I don't know how natural it is. I'd consider it fundamental. Because I think it plays a really vital role in in fostering positive relationships and promoting social harmony, and of course, creating a more caring and inclusive society. Uh, It can be expressed in various ways, such as offering emotional support, providing practical assistance, showing understanding and patience, or advocating for justice and equality.
1: Yeah, and its benefits are, are pronounced. I mean, practicing compassion not only benefits those who receive it, but it also has a positive impact on the person who is giving it and expressing it. It can lead to increased happiness, emotional well-being, a sense of interconnectedness with others. And compassion is often considered a virtue and a moral value in many religious, philosophical and ethical
0: traditions. Yeah, yeah. For example, in Buddhism, um, compassion or karuna is one of the central teachings in Buddhism. The concept of compassion is closely linked to the idea of relieving suffering and cultivating a sense of empathy and loving kindness towards all beings. Compassion and love for others are also emphasized in Christianity. The parable of the Good Samaritan, for example, teaches us the importance of showing mercy and compassion towards those in need.
1: Yes, that's right. And in Islam, compassion is known as Rama. Mm. It's highly valued. Mm. Muslims are encouraged to show kindness, mercy, uh, generosity towards others, particularly those who are less fortunate. And in in Hinduism, for example, compassion is considered really an essential quality. Mm. The concept of ahimsa. Or nonviolence promotes compassion and encourages individuals to avoid causing harm to others. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, well, then there's there's humanism, which while it's not a religion per se, humanism is a philosophical worldview that emphasizes the inherent worth and dignity of all human beings. Mm. It also encourages, of course, compassion and empathy towards others.
0: Yeah, indeed. So, really, the major religions. And the Dalai Lama, for example, appears to consider compassion as central to his message to the world.
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm. Uh, He said, in fact, if you want others to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy, practice compassion.
0: Yeah, I love that. And recently, Mathieu Ricard, who's a Buddhist monk, as well as a neuroscientist, and who has been called the happiest man in the world. He explained in an article for the New York Times that he was once interpreting for the Dalai Lama in Brussels, and that he told His Holiness, "Um, I'm going back to the retreat. What's your advice? And the Dalai Lama replied, in the beginning, meditate on compassion. In the middle, meditate on compassion. In the end, meditate on compassion.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's true story. It's beautiful. Mm. Uh, in, in Buddhism, compassion is considered a fundamental virtue, and it is cultivated through practices such as loving-kindness, which is uh, a loving-kindness meditation mm. uh, called metta. Mm-hmm. And the development for the four immeasurables, which is in many religions, in fact, not just Buddhism, uh, includes loving-kindness, compassion, empathetic joy, and equanimity. And these cur- practices encourages encourage individuals to extend kindness, uh, to extend understanding, and empathy towards all beings, including oneself.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Does Buddhism actually attend to self-compassion?
1: You know, the concept of self-compassion as it's understood and discussed today is not explicitly found from what I've understood. And you know, I'm also put a part of a, a, a mm. Buddha Dharma a Sangha. Mm. It's mm. not explicitly found traditional buddhist teachings however the teachings of buddhism do emphasize compassion and loving kindness towards oneself as well as others Mm -hmm. while it appears that the buddha did not specifically use the term self-compassion his teachings emphasize the importance of treating oneself uh, not just others with kindness and care because the buddha taught that self-compassion arises from understanding the nature of suffering and cultivating wisdom compassion and mindfulness. This includes recognizing and acknowledging one's own pain, one's own suffering, and one's own challenges, Mm -hmm. and responding to them with kindness and understanding. In in Buddhist teachings, self-compassion is implicitly understood as part of the broader practice of compassion and loving kindness, metta. Mm -hmm. By cultivating uh, compassion for oneself, individuals can develop a deeper sense of well-being and extend that compassion to others, mm. ultimately then contributing to their own spiritual growth and the the alleviation of, of suffering in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Christine Neff, for example, who's an associate professor in the University of Texas uh, in, in Austin's, um, and is part of the uh, which is that she's part of the Department of Educational Psychology, uh, Dr. Neff Received her doctorate to the University of California at Berkeley, studying moral development. She did two years of postdoctoral study uh, in Denver, the University of Denver, mm-hmm. studying uh, the self-concept development. That she created self-compassion scales. Mm-hmm. Uh, a long scale consists of twenty-six items, and the short scale of twelve items. And she's been credited with conducting the first academic studies, real academic, serious studies into self-compassion.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. She's the leading figure, in fact, in the field of self-compassion research. She's developed a comprehensive framework and a set of ideas about self-compassion. And as you know, her work emphasizes the importance of treating oneself with kindness, with understanding, and with acceptance, particularly in the face of suffering and failure and perceived inadequacies. So here are some key principles and ideas that are associated with Neft's concept of self-compassion. Neff defines self-compassion as having three core components, self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. Yeah. Self-kindness involves being warm and understanding and supportive toward oneself, especially when you're faced with personal shortcomings or difficult experiences. It means really treating oneself as one would treat a close friend rather than being self-critical or judgmental. Then there is common humanity, wherein Neff emphasizes the recognition that suffering and challenges and imperfections are part of the shared human experience. By understanding that others also struggle, we can cultivate a sense of connectedness and reduce our feelings of isolation or maybe shame. She also talks about mindfulness, which involves being aware of one's thoughts and emotions and one's experiences in a non-judgmental and balanced manner. Mindfulness allows individuals to observe their distressing thoughts and feelings without getting caught up in them or suppressing them.
1: That's right. According to Neff, uh, self-compassion offers numerous psychological, emotional, and relational benefits. It's been linked to increased resilience, reduced levels of anxiety and depression, improved emotional well-being, enhanced motivation, uh, healthier relationships, and uh, overall a greater satisfaction of life. She differentiates self-compassion from self-esteem. And she suggests that self-compassion is a more suitable and healthier source of self-worth. Whereas self-esteem often relies on external validation and comparisons with others, self-compassion fosters a real sense of unconditional self-acceptance and self-care. And that's irrespective of achievements or social status.
0: Yeah, indeed. And she emphasizes that self-compassion is a skill that can be developed through intentional practice. So some techniques that she suggests and that could be interesting to our listeners uh, include the self-compassionate language. So just using kind and supportive words when we're speaking to ourselves.
1: Yeah.
0: Also a self-soothing touch uh, with physical gestures, such as placing a hand over your heart to provide comfort and care during difficult moments. Also, writing exercises, uh, engaging yeah. in self-reflective writing to explore and acknowledge our struggles and emotions with compassion. She also specifies loving-kindness meditations, which promote techniques that involve directing well wishes and kindness towards oneself and towards other people.
1: Yeah. If she does all of that, and and uh, you know, I'm thinking Walt Whitman also emphasized compassion.
0: Mm, Mason, could you remind us who he was, please?
1: Yeah, Walt, Walt Whitman Jr. He was an American poet, essayist, and also a journalist. He's perhaps considered one of the most influential poets in, in American history. He incorporated both transcendentalism and realism in his writings, and is often called the father of free verse. Mm. His work uh, was controversial at the time, uh, particularly in 1855 uh, with his poetry collection, perhaps the best known called Leaves of Grass, which was described, it's crazy to me to think of it that way today, but was described at the time by some as being obscene for its overt sensuality. Mm. He uh, he did say, look, I, I do not ask the wounded person how he feels, I myself become that wounded person.
0: Wow. So Whitman's suggesting that he doesn't merely inquire about someone's pain or suffering from a detached perspective. Instead, he immerses himself in their experience, empathizing and connecting with their emotions and struggles. So in essence, he's emphasizing the importance of empathy and the ability to truly understand and relate to others by immersing oneself in their perspective. So rather than maintaining a distant and detached stance, he suggests actively embracing the experiences of others to deepen our understanding of their pain and suffering.
1: Yes. And, and um, uh, you know, he, OK, he was a writer and a poet. But we take a look at Albert Einstein, who was a mathematician and a physicist. Mm-hmm. Einstein also understood the importance of empathy. He said, which I didn't realize until I I started looking into the subject and reading about him. He said, our task must be to be free and to free ourselves by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature and its beauty. Mm. Einstein. Mm, Wow. When, when, (laughs) When he spoke about widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature, he was really emphasizing the importance of cultivating empathy and care for all forms of life. Yeah. He believed that our perspective and actions should extend beyond our immediate circle of family, friends, and community to encompass a really much broader sense of unity with the natural
0: world. Yeah, Indeed, he recognized that humans are interconnected with the environment and with other living beings. So by acknowledging and appreciating the beauty and diversity of nature, he believed that we could develop a deeper understanding of our place in the world and our responsibility to protect and preserve it. Now, expanding our circle of compassion means extending empathy and kindness and respect, not just to our fellow human beings, but also to animals and plants and ecosystems. In fact, to the whole earth as a whole. It involves recognizing the intrinsic value and interconnectedness of all life forms and considering the potential impact of our actions on the well-being of the entire planet. And that's extremely and that's even more it's, true today.
1: Yes, look, it, it's amazing. I mean, he he said that when he was alive years ago, before mm. there was all this present day consciousness of mm. what's going on. So he, you know, his Einstein's message serves as a reminder that by embracing a broader perspective. And nurturing compassion for all living creatures and natures, we can work towards creating a more harmonious, God only knows we need it, and sustainable oh, yeah. world.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah! So, Mason, what do you think is our takeaway from this discussion today?
1: Uh, well, uh, that overall compassion is the capacity to recognize and respond to the suffering of others with kindness, of understanding. Uh, And a genuine desire to help. Mm. It's a powerful force that has the potential to create positive change and really make the world a better
0: place. Yeah, indeed. And that compassion can be cultivated and it can be developed through various practices and approaches. So here are a couple of ways that you can cultivate compassion. So first of all is cultivate self-compassion. Start by developing compassion towards yourself. Treat yourself with kindness and understanding and forgiveness. Practice self-care and self-acceptance because this will help create a foundation for extending compassion to others. Also, practice empathy. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of others. So make an effort to put yourself in someone else's shoes and try to understand their perspective and their emotions. And this will help you in developing a sense of connection and compassion towards others.
1: Yeah. Also, of course, mindfulness, mindfulness Mm. meditation. Mm. Engage in mindfulness meditation practices that focus on cultivating compassion. There are specific meditation techniques for doing this like loving-kindness meditations or compassion meditations that help develop feelings of compassion towards oneself as well as others, of course. Mm, yeah. And then learn about others' experiences. Educate yourself about the experiences and challenges faced by different individuals and communities. Read books, watch documentaries, listen to personal stories, develop a deeper understanding and empathy towards others in you know engage engage in acts of kindness practice random acts of kindness regularly Mm. show compassion and help towards others in need it could be as simple as offering a listening ear or lending a hand or volunteering for a cause all these actions reinforce compassion and create positive change Mm. um what else
0: Well, Mason, I'd also include remaining non-judgmental. So practice non-judgmental awareness towards yourself and towards others and recognize that everyone has their own struggles, their flaws and their strengths. So really avoid making harsh judgments or assumptions and instead cultivate an attitude of acceptance and understanding. I'd also add foster gratitude, so cultivating a sense of gratitude for the positive aspects of your life and the kindness you receive from others. Because gratitude helps in shifting the focus from oneself to others and deepens the sense of connection and compassion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Cultivating compassion is is really an ongoing process, isn't Mm. it? It requires patience and consistent practice. Yeah. Uh, gradually incorporating these practices into your daily life can help you develop and strengthen your capacity for compassion.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I agree with you. So I think that sums it up. Thank you, Mason.
1: Thank you. It really is always a pleasure. Thank you, Christine. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. You've been listening to A Toolkit for a Better Life, produced by Christine Peterson. For more information and details on how to contact us, please see the podcast description.